any good poems from high school? I don't think so. I, yeah. <laughs> Everyone yeah. is a terrible poet in high school. Yeah. We, we haven't found one yet from mine, so... <laughs> <laughs> Rhyme or free, it doesn't matter to me. It's my bad poetry. Good day, and welcome to My Bad Poetry, a podcast that Dave and I started with the intent of finding grace and good conversation in the utter garbage that was and is my poetry. We still do that, but more importantly, others have volunteered to join the conversation as well and share their bad poetry with us. And today is one of those days. Shiksha Dera is a writer, engineer, and human? Her debut collection of poems, Washed Away, published in 2021, has been praised for its unflinching and vulnerable look at a life with OCD and depression. The book is available on Amazon, and she has recently finished a video series of all 51 poems being read aloud, which you can find on her website. A place which led me to another interview where I learned that you have a dog named (laughs) Einstein. Shiksha, we are thrilled to have you on the show. Well, thank you very much. I am very happy to be here and subject other people to my bad poetry. <laughs> and uh, yes, that that interview answered very important questions like, do I prefer dogs or cats? Do I prefer waffles or pancakes? Uh-huh. Very, very important questions. So thank you for checking that out. I hope you enjoyed that. I enjoyed answering those questions. So yeah. Those are really the core of life questions, you know, waffles exactly. versus Exactly, you know, pancakes. waffles, pancakes. People don't discuss that enough, you know. So. <laughs> yeah. I always go for pancakes, and yet I think theoretically waffles are better because they have the wells to hold the syrup. Exactly. They. I'm always team waffle. And they, I think I read somewhere they said that waffles are pancakes with abs. So... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's basically getting cardio in, right? When I'm yeah. eating waffles. That's, yes. that's basically it. That counts. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, is there anything in the introduction that I may have missed that you want our listeners to know or, or be aware of? No, except that I do prefer dogs over cats. So yes. well, nothing else. <laughs> yeah. Good call. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um. What what kind of dog is uh, it's a Siberian Husky, right? Yes, ah. he is a Siberian Husky with ice blue eyes and a very mischievous demeanor. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Huskies. They're just beautiful they, dogs. They like they have this very unique personality. It's like basically living with another person. Basically, mm. they so and they love singing. They do love singing. So. Mm. <laughs> Meanwhile, Dave and I, while we love big dogs, we both have teeny tiny little... (laughs) Yeah. What? Are they like chihuahuas or like Pomeranians? I'm I'm not too familiar with smaller dogs, so... I I have a uh, a miniature golden doodle. So it's a a golden retriever and a poodle. So interesting. Yeah. He's he's a big pain, but I love him. And then I have a, a Yorkshire Terrier who we, we're pretty sure has a bit of uh, Chihuahua in her. Yeah. But she is the shyest, frankly, dumbest dog I've ever known. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we love her to death. I mean, she's, yeah. she's phenomenal. Wow. 
Well, to get us into the realm of poetry, Dave typically graces us with something that he has written basically on the spot. So Dave, do you have anything for us today? I do. Yay. <laughs> this poem really, well, I'm not going to call it a poem, but <laughs> this writing uh, fits with our conversation because I have some allergies Ooh. and that's what this poem is about. Okay. Here it is. Throbbing with pain in the prefrontal cortex, every year the exact same scene. Could it be looming death in a complex? Thank all that is good for loratadine. Histamine, <laughs> you have no power here. Migraine, be gone, this I opined. Hypochondriasis, there is nothing to fear. Clear is the day in my mind. I thought that was good. So that was <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know you that, very was, kind. that was impressive, Dave. <laughs> I I also enjoyed uh, the full vote was read with. I think that was a full on ten ten performance. Oh well, thank <laughs> you, thank you. <laughs> I feel like you're being kind to me, like Aaron is kind to his dumb dog. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not at all. I actually enjoyed that. Maybe they should uh, put that in the leaflets of, you know, the, the medications. They should oh, put yeah. like a small poem. Yeah. <laughs> we, we have a business idea. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, really, it, it would be just as good as um, some of those uh, commercials with like the animated people and the bees. Or I mean, it's just... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, Shiksha, how do you feel following up those words? <laughs> oh, wow. No, I... I think that should be moved off of the section of bad poetry now. Like I have genuinely bad ones, like genuinely bad teenage poems. So, <laughs> yeah, after um, being volunteered by another person on Twitter to be on the show, you said that you would be interested in forcing people yes. to listen to your bad poetry. <laughs> and Dave and I are more than happy to oblige. So uh, what have you brought for us today? Well, I found three very cringy poems. I mean, I mean, in retrospect, when I thought about them, I was like, no, this this reflects a lot on my state at the time. But as a poem, it's really cringy. So, <laughs> yeah. So you have here a setting sun. Okay. Yes. And before I start reading, imagine somebody who is so tortured you know they feel that nobody has felt you know this way before mm -hmm. that this is you know think of your cliche tortured artist this was the impression i had of myself at like 16 so <laughs> right perfect <laughs> okay. okay let's go yes a setting sun i'm the confusing hum to which there are no words the smile from which no happiness can be derived the nameless body in a crowded morgue the impudent child who knows no compassion and the setting sun which can provide no warmth. Why then do you love me? The hum which I can derive inspiration to sing once more, the smile which is the teacher, and the beginning to all that is finite, simple, and good, the body which the soul kisses last before farewell, the child which is determined and opinionated, and the light that gives direction to the lost lonely traveler are you. How then can I not love you, but insanely? For you exist, therefore I exist. Yep. 
I will say I am lost in these words. <laughs> I need some direction as a lonely traveler. <laughs> yeah, we we need the setting, son. <laughs> Dave, what are your first impressions? I okay. Um, I love Pablo Neruda's poetry, but he wrote in Spanish, and I have a very, very passing understanding of Spanish. And uh, I got a book of Pablo Neruda's poetry that I think is one of the worst translations of his stuff that I've ever read. But the last line, for you exist, therefore I exist, reminds yeah. me a lot of uh, the, I don't remember the number, but the so close that your, ha uh, your hand on my chest is my hand. Oh, yes. I actually know which, which poem you're talking yeah, about. Yes. It, it's a beautiful poem. But the it just reminded me of that. But yeah, not not exactly as poetic. Yeah. <laughs> also, also there's many many cliched metaphors in this, especially the crowded the what what is it nameless body in a crowded morgue. I even mm. rolled my eyes when I wrote that one. I was like, <laughs> a nameless yeah. Dave, I thought you were always going to say that this poem is like a badly translated. <laughs> oh, no. yeah. No. <laughs> you know, maybe I should do that. Maybe I should. You know how some lit mags have translations. Maybe I should be like, this is the translated version. <laughs> <laughs> so you gave us a little bit of the context here. A 16-year-old um, yeah. tortured artist. I can hear that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very curious. Um, there's there's questions around why then do you love me? And then there's uh, how then can I not love you? Are you comfortable uh, pulling back the curtain a bit on who this is about, what this is about? or The ironic thing is that it's not about... A particular person the poem oh. kind of asks a question and then answers it so when I thought about this I was like it kind of was me trying to find sort of good in a bad situation but not necessarily in an optimistic uplifting way more in a sense of a toxic kind of way me like saying you know I am in this bad space or I feel misunderstood and this somehow elevates me from people who don't understand me so it was kind of like being like 16 like no one's felt this way before I will find the answers I know the answers you know nobody <laughs> understands that I am so deep nobody has felt this emotion so I will ask the question and answer it myself so I was like I I think it's more that or feeling that you are misunderstood. So you kind of, in being misunderstood, it elevates you, you know, it's, it's a very, it's a very small way of thinking, because as mm. you get older, you realize that everybody feels misunderstood at some point, and everybody is looking for the answer. And everybody does feel emotions to pretty much the same extent, a lot of the time, just they express it very differently. So I think that's where it comes from it's not about a particular person or scenario it's just in general i don't know if that makes sense oh yeah no i loved that <laughs> dave um this reminds me way back i think episode two or three when we didn't know at all what we were doing you talked about 
exactly that concept of what if artists actually like sought therapy do you remember that yeah yeah we had that idea around uh like you know the the tortured artist and yeah. everybody feels like they have to be tortured to create great art but like yeah. what if vincent van gogh rather than you know turning towards drugs and all of these other things went to therapy sought a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 very interesting because I feel like this artist trope exists in people's minds because I come from a family where everyone has like, they're very STEM focused. So I know whenever we'd, uh, we'd watch like movies about artists or writers, my mother would be like, yeah, you know, we don't understand these people. They are artsy types, you know? I'm like, what, what does that mean? She's, I'm like, they're just, they're just expressing themselves differently. She's like, no. No, we don't. You, you you can't live with an artist. You can't you can't understand artsy types. They're just so different. I'm like, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's. I feel like that exists still. Like that mm -hmm. that stereotype exists not just in the people who feel like that, but in the people around them. They're like oh, so mysterious, art, words, you know, writing, poetry. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and just like you said, a 16-year-old struggling with feeling misunderstood, one coping mechanism is elevating yourself to that, like, well, then I am, exactly. the, I am the artist. And I love how exactly. you said that's the, the toxic solution, the small-minded thinking, but it's the, it's the trope that we all go to. I mean, or not all of us, but yeah, some... Yeah. Well, I mean, but I actually am, like, I, I'm, I'm better. Of course, Dave. <laughs> Undoubtedly. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was actually just going to say that even as we age, I feel like when, when we suffer something, even if it's ob objectively bad, I feel like some part of us, I mean, besides sometimes looking for a reason to why we have to suffer this way, some part of us thinks maybe it will make us better or maybe mm -hmm. I have been given this suffering because mm. i have a greater capacity for it and maybe that makes me better i mean that's where the whole saying what doesn't kill you makes you stronger yes comes from so i feel like that i feel like when you're a teenager it comes out as being very angsty very aggressive you know but i feel like even as we age some part of us does think that like even if we don't want to i feel like people think well you're suffering because maybe you can handle it or someone will say you're the, you're such a strong person you're the strongest person i know but that person might not be dealing with it really so i feel like i feel like that's linked somewhere as well it just comes out differently when you were a teenager i guess yeah i i think we always try and find ways to justify the difficulty that we face yeah um even when <laughs> that can be unbelievably harmful uh mm -hmm. i Aaron and I are pretty open about the fact that we've both struggled with depression and yeah. it took me a long time to find the fact that I needed a therapist and that I needed to be on medication to live a full life. Um, yeah. And I think that was a big breakthrough for me. The fact that no, my, my brain just doesn't work the way that others expect it to like it it's just not yeah that's just how it is yeah it, it just doesn't produce the right chemicals and so i can find a way to make it produce the right chemicals and i don't have to live with this same burden and it's not yeah. this gift that 
some people talk about it as. I was actually thinking that uh, part of the reason why when I was looking at some of my writing when I was younger and there's this sort of preachy sort of elevated sort of undertone to it. I was like, I feel that a big portion of that was me not wanting to acknowledge that I wasn't mentally well. I felt like mm. it was a failure. I felt like if I told people that this is how I feel, then I'd be failing in some way instead of just saying, you know, this this is what I'm dealing with and I I need help. But instead, when you're young, you're like, oh, it's a failure. I, I don't want to admit it. I don't want to ask for help. So let me preach about how this has elevated me. So I think that's that's something that, that despite us trying to make mental health and, and the awareness around mental illness, I think there is still unsaid sort of stigma attached to it in the sense that you feel... I failed like even sometimes now on a daily basis, despite being so vocal about my mental problems, when I can't do certain things, I feel less than I feel like I have failed, even though I can't do it. I just feel like, like, I mean, I wouldn't think that if I had hurt my leg and I couldn't pick something up, but because I have a, a mental problem and, and sometimes I feel like, am I making it worse than what it is? Because mm. you feel like you're in control, even though you're not. So I think that's where a lot of that sort of preachy, elevated undertone comes from, because you feel like this is better than saying that, you know, I may have failed or I may need help or, you know. So, yeah, I completely get that. Yeah. So to, to bring it back to the awful poem. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm trying to see if, if maybe we can find that in your confusing hum and in, that's introduced in is this the first yeah the first stanza the first stanza and then you bring the hum back as the hum which i can derive inspiration to sing once more the smile which is the teacher and earlier it was the smile with no happiness so trying to give your 16 year old the benefit of the doubt is that the kind of turn that we're talking about where you feel that you are going alone you feel that you are misunderstood and yet you find meaning within that hum i feel like it is like i think the first part is asking the questions and sort of giving the situation on face value and then the second part is answering what could be good in that so i guess it's I guess if you think about it from that that 16-year-old lens, it would be me saying, I feel misunderstood. But um, but now I feel like it has caused me to create art, I guess. Or, mm. I mean, that might tie in a bit with the sort of preachy, elevated sense. But I think if you think about it later on, I do think when you do feel like you are struggling with mental health, it does make you more empathetic in some extent. Mm. It does allow you to see perspectives which aren't your own. So I think basically the piece was just saying, it was trying to find good in what is bad, basically. So yeah, the very cliched, verbose way of doing that, but yeah. <laughs> I, I don't remember where this comes from, but someone at some point said, cliches are a cliche for a reason like there, there's something yeah exactly to them. and i think i think uh cliches can be useful so yeah there, there are a good amount of cliches in here <laughs> but I, I think that that's something that a lot of people can connect to you know it's kind of a a way that we can connect to each other 
even if we haven't had the same experiences, we can experience yeah. those cliches in a similar way. And and I will say, comparing this kind of um, what what you would call preachy poem from a sixteen year old yeah. self to some of the garbage that we have read out of my wolf journal, <laughs> you already had a much better poetic flair. <laughs> and I think uh, almost, uh, I mean, just a greater nuance than, say, a poem where I state, I know the truth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fair, I guess. <laughs> yeah, if you're talking about being preachy, you have not heard Aaron's poetry. Yeah. <laughs> 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 there's there's some beautiful imagery in here the body which the soul kisses last before farewell not quite sure what it means but it it is an image that um that makes you think yeah i i think that was supposed to be sort of the good to the nameless body in the book like oh. each line is sort of each each metaphor kind of counteracts the metaphor in the top half sure. so i think that was the good in being a nameless body in the book i don't know but yes. yeah yes <laughs> yeah that parallelism or like a, a chiasm of a of sorts yeah, yeah exactly that i think that was what i was trying to achieve so Very yeah cool. <laughs> um I, I get the sense that even in your more recent work you like structure from time to time uh, there are other poems you do basically kind of a a jumbled word art which i I find that's fascinating as well. But um, in your book, you use a lot of shape imagery. The the fruit fruits of the tree is one that stands out to me. But in your, do you remember as a sixteen year old, were you considering that that structure with most of your writing, or was this kind of a like a experimental uh, style you were doing here? Um, to to be honest, like I don't actually know much about sort of poetic form like I have no formal sort of thing in it so last year I actually only started submitting my writing last year in January and I revisited some of my older works so some of them was um, the lotus uh, fruits of the tree a lot of the shape poems were older pieces Mm -hmm. and I felt that it was lacking something I felt that what way could I change this free verse poem into better convey or express what I wanted to say. And I thought maybe making it into a shape poem. So that was just a by chance thing. It wasn't, it wasn't something that I had intended when I wrote the poem. I was like, I feel like this needs to be more expressive. Like even with the fruits of the tree uh, poem, it was a normal free verse poem. And then I thought, I feel like it's lacking something. And when I put it into the shape of a tree, I was like, no, I feel like this is, more how I had subconsciously envisioned it. So no, it wasn't at all planned. It was just kind of a, I'll see if this works. In fact, my whole process of writing from from the time of submitting has been kind of throwing spaghetti against a wall and hoping something sticks. That has been this whole process for me. Everything is new. Everything is strange. Even when the collection got published, I was, I was shocked. Everything has just been sort of a surprise to me. So... Yeah, there's there's no intention 
it just kind of happens i don't know yeah <laughs> so this one that i dog-eared uh deadly companion it just so happened to have ocd <laughs> yes yes you know it just did just it by just chance <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was like hey you know maybe no actually what happened with that one if i remember was that i wrote the first verse and i was like it starts with an o and then i'm like mm. <laughs> You know, maybe I could do something else with it. So it's not like by having no intention, it means more that I don't really necessarily envision it from the onset. Uh, but while I'm writing it, I sort of develop the idea as I go along. So, yeah. Very cool. Hmm. Very cool. Nice. Well, I think you submitted for us two more. Uh, yes. <laughs> Dave, Dave uh, do you want to pick between answers and great palette? Yeah, those are the two. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I would select gray palette. If oh, I actually choice. thought you were going to choose answers because you it was less, like it's shorter. You have to listen to less. Oh no! So, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's. There's, there's actually a lot of of color imagery here, so yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, gray palette, such luminosity, blinding bright color, irrefutable magnificence. Fiery reds, playful pinks, distinguished blues, infinite blacks, childish yellows, persistent oranges, forgotten whites, perfect purples may all try to overwhelm the unnoticed use of the gentle gray, but it burns on in the midst of it all, forever looking, forever searching for a less temperamental home than the hearth of color. Can you see the preachy undertone? <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly this. really like this one. <laughs> I really like it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, so first impression, we both love it. Tell us where you hear the preachy undertone. Um, let me choose. It's it's just like made all try to overwhelm. It's because maybe I'm finding it preachy because okay, to unpack this poem, there will be a lot. Let me start. Okay. <laughs> so okay. I have this. The, this thing for lack of a better word where when I get to know someone I associate a color with them oh. and then I associate that color with a characteristic that stands out so if you see there's there's a adjective for each color like fiery red playful pink so it's almost like I mentally group people that I know into groups of colors and those all have a standout quality and yeah. I would then give myself the color gray and as you can see, it's saying these colors are trying to overwhelm the gray palette. So for me, it seems preachy because I'm speaking about myself. But I guess an uh, objective reader may not pick that up if they don't know all of this background. So, yeah. That's that's really cool. That is really fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> so this was still written from a 16-year-old self? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I used to even go and ask my friends, I'd be like, what color do you think I am? And then they'd be like, you're definitely a red. And I was like, oh, God, no, I'm not a red. <laughs> you don't understand. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm not red. And, and then someone's like, no, you're, you're definitely a dark green. I was like, it's a bit better than red. But no. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, so it's like this weird hierarchy. Well, I wouldn't call it a hierarchy. It's a grouping system that I have 
made even when i read like books and stuff i'd be like i wonder what color this this character is and it's very confusing if someone doesn't know because i'll be like this person is definitely white and then they're like you do know that that's a person of color <laughs> i'm like i'm like no that's i mean white not that white white and then they're like right. um <laughs> This is making me think, Dave and I both have a favorite author yeah. named Jasper Ford. I'm not familiar, yeah. Okay, oh. well, no one is. No, he's, yeah, he's not <laughs> a very popular okay. author. Not, but he has a book. Now, now, keep in mind, this was written way before the BDSM. Yeah. <laughs> the Fifty Shades of Grey. There is a book out from Jasper Ford called Shades of Grey. Okay. It's all about uh, people who can only see certain colors. Oh, okay. And and they actually are classed by the the colors the that colors. they see. And oh, you might love this book. Actually, yeah, it's, it's I might. Yeah, I mean Jasper Ford, brilliant satirist, and Shades of Grey is one of his earlier works, but it is really cool, and he's just now working on a sequel. Oh, so now's the time I should get in. Yeah. (laughs) But that's what comes to mind as you're explaining kind of your thought process and then the the many hues of gray. Almost makes me want to go back to that book. It's been years. (laughs) I know, right? Yeah. (laughs) I was thinking the exact same thing, Aaron. And then I was also thinking about uh, The Giver by Lois Lowry. Oh, sure. About uh, people who live in a futuristic society who can only see gray and one person who... Like has the memories of all the other people and can all the see other colors. Color. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Yeah, that's in the uh, the American education system. Yeah. Most middle schools, high schools, y- you have to read The Giver. I don't yeah. know why, okay. but that's that's one that's just made it in. Yeah, yeah. it's a good so, book. <laughs> it is a good book, and so is this poem. <laughs> I was just gonna say, I like that. Like, looking from the outside, not having the context, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of beauty in the ideas of the different nature of these colors and, like, the world that it creates. But then, at the same time, with the context of you considering yourself to be gray in this world, it, it feels like a really interesting autobiography of who you are and how you see the world or saw the world depending on where where you see yourself now <laughs> but I, I think it's just kind of fascinating like I, I I honestly think it's a good poem okay <laughs> <That's unexpected. laughs> yeah when you first started with the list of colors I was like okay yeah this is pretty yeah. generic you're just like but then then kind of the the unnoticed hues of gentle gray. It, my my mind's on this because last week I had to do a, a little cover. Dave and I could not record together, and so yeah. I I grabbed this this poem about um, finding fairies, just like finding the little yeah. magic in in the everyday, and that's really kind of stuck with me this week. And that's what I was hearing uh, here as well as kind of finding the beauty in in just the the gentle hues of gray um we we tend to to downplay what what is considered not colorful yeah (laughs) 
Well, that's very unexpected. So I'm glad we went with this one and not answers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and I can really like take this this whole color scheme in my head pretty far because I know at the once the one year I gave my entire family mugs with their names on it and then the color that I associate with them, and like half of them didn't agree with it. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Yes, and I was like, yeah, these these are mugs with your name on. And then and then like my father was like, why is it this color? And my mother was like, yeah, I don't like this color. I'm like, well, that's awkward because that's your color. And she's like, what? <laughs> that's who you are. <laughs> that's who you are. What do you mean? Everybody knows. <laughs> I had a friend in college who had um, a form of uh, synesthesia. What is it called? Synesthesia. synesthesia. Where, yeah, yeah. Um, pitch created a color for her. Oh, okay. And so she had perfect pitch in that sense in that if she knew she needed to sing a, an A or whatever, she'd just find that orange or, I mean. Uh, oh, okay. So wow. she, if she concentrated really hard, um, people tend to talk at certain pitches and um, she would she would tell you the color that you spoke, the the kind of pitched oh. pitched color. So oh. that's kind of what your, what your story oh. is making me think of is like you're, you're finding that 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 hue of a yeah. person. <laughs> well, 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 well. I've actually been asked that. Like people have asked me, they're like, "Oh, do you have like do you have this?" And I'm like, "I, I don't think so. It's just a color thing." And then they're like, oh, "Are you sure?" And I'm like, "No, no. I I have enough disorders at this point. I don't need, <laughs> don't need a pile of art. <laughs> yeah, they they don't need friends, so it's fine." <laughs> Well, I wish we had more we could just like pick apart from this, but um, you even have some lovely alliteration in there. Although Dave, no, Dave would, um, Dave would disagree. <laughs> okay, we need your opinion on this. Uh, I think that alliteration can just be two, yeah. two in a row. Dave insists that it needs at least three. <laughs> I have to go with Dave on this one. Really? I think it needs at least three, yes. Yes. <laughs> I think it needs at least three. Oh, I thought I, I had I an ally that. here. Because you have <laughs> playful pinks and perfect purples. No, uh, I, I actually think it needs three. Like. Oh. <laughs> ah, yes, thank you. Well, then this poem is garbage. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Aaron turns very quickly on people. <laughs> Uh, you even have gentle great maybe your 16 year old self would have agreed with me <laughs> yeah may, may, maybe maybe <laughs> i mean who needs rules i would have said <laughs> there you go <laughs> oh nice i also think it's funny um we're looking at this on a, a google doc where it's saying that color is misspelled <laughs> <laughs> Wait, wait, which which color is misspelled? The word color. Oh, yeah. You're using oh, no. the, the British English. So. Oh, yeah, but, but, but we use British English in yeah. South Africa, so... I know, I know. That's, that's <laughs> I'm just looking at these red squiggles, and I'm like, there's nothing oh. wrong with this. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, not spelling-wise. I mean, the other things, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. What would you say if you had to think about what would you associate? What color would you associate with yourself? Ooh! And then, are you <laughs> gonna tell it? Tell us if you've kind of given us a color? No, I, okay. I actually. It's a bit too soon. I, I think it's a bit too soon. Okay, I think fair I really enough, have to enough. know people. Yeah. Okay. 
I, and maybe I'm just defaulting to kind of my favorite color, but I would say yeah. that my favorite color would, would be because I kind of see myself as, as thriving within that. Um, I would kind That's of fair. say like a, a, a bright navy blue. Hmm. Interesting. That's a nice color though, also. Dave, you looked befuddled. <laughs> yeah, He's I, like, okay. <laughs> okay. No, Aaron, I had always pictured you as like a, a muddled uh, yellow. <laughs> a murky brown. Murky or... brown. That's, that's murky that's brown. <laughs> no, I, I honestly, like, this is just kind of a fascinating thing because I have, like, no association here. And really? I, well, and I think it's kind of funny because my my wife and I often have arguments about like um, different colors and things like different paints. Oh, because yeah. around the house, we're whenever we are looking for different paints, and she'll tell me, "Oh, I think this could be periwinkle, or this could be uh, some other word that in my brain is completely <laughs> made <purple>. up." <laughs> yeah, I, I have no idea. Like. <laughs> I, I just, I, it's just not a thing that I understand. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what color I would ascribe for myself. Aaron, what color would you ascribe to Dave? Yeah, I was just going to say, <laughs> honestly, Dave, I think. <sighs> like a green, a green maybe. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe a, a, a brighter than, a brighter forest green. Not a like dark an green. green. Oh, no, yeah, that's too dark. No. Well, it's it's because Dave has this like bubbly, um, gentle giant type atmosphere. <laughs> so like maybe like yeah. a like a, a tall tree um, throwing out leaves of green. Oh, that that could work. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. might be the most poetic thing Aaron has ever said. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm glad I could be here for this moment. Yeah. <laughs> No, I love this. So when, yeah. if, if you were to pick a, a paint color for a room, do you think, <clears throat> well, this this is a, a personal trait that I like, or this is a person who I am fond of. I would like this room to remind me of them. Is that something that you think about? Um, I wouldn't say so much with rooms. I think with rooms, obviously, in my own bedroom, I would make it gray. My, my walls would be gray because sure. that's, that's the color I like. But then if it's like sort of a kitchen or like a bedroom I think what am I doing in that room like for a kitchen do I want to look at like um like how do I want to feel when I when I'm in the kitchen like what color would uplift me there so ironically I'd actually choose like a emerald green for a kitchen which many people wouldn't really put in their kitchen they get more sort of lighter paler colors yeah. but that's what I would put in so I, in fact I think the the kitchen would have a very Slytherin feel you know with black <laughs> <Yes>. caps <laughs> dark, walls, dark green walls sort of you know I love <laughs> sort of that. like that <laughs> I yeah. I mean technically even if we think about for for all the flaws with the with the author that put that aside no. for all the flaws of that even if we think about Harry Potter they've kind of split houses into colors they've given the characteristics so I think it's something which subconsciously does happen I mean I wouldn't say there's like a science or research about it but I do think that there is some pattern in it to some extent I mean yeah. the red is associated with people being courageous dark green is associated with people being ambitious and cunning you know yellow it's such a bright color it's associated with people being helpful 
you know, or mm-hmm. service oriented, you know. So, and even like company logos, they all have a certain mm-hmm. color scheme mm-hmm. because it, it speaks to something in people, even sort of games. I think color does affect us more than we understand or more than we realize that it affects us. It's very subconscious. No. So, yeah. And I've heard that as a theory around a lot of other things where we talk about like the, um, what is it? The red blood black bile yellow bile there's oh yeah the four um the four humors yeah or or in my case uh the four ninja turtles yeah oh they all have different colors right (laughs) (laughs) there we go i'm a purple because uh i i like technology so i'm a i'm a donatello yeah no there we go yeah I, I I feel like the background to this poem is infinitely better than the poem. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Shiksha, we yeah. are so glad to have been able to have you on the show today, even with the time difference and the, the fact that it is late, late at night for you. And while I'm sure there are many more questions and rabbit holes and color theory things that we can pursue... <laughs> definitely here at my bad poetry we end each week with the words of a true poet and we would be honored if you would be willing to share one of your poems perhaps from washed away with us um, to end our time okay sure i'm going to read a prose poem called when i think about writing about flowers Hmm. the world is falling apart tearing itself into pieces then breaking those pieces into tinier pieces. It's chewing itself up, crunchingly, crunch, chew, crunch, chew, spitting itself out, vomiting, convulsing. Should I be writing about flowers at this time? Should I be getting lost in a garden, in a beautiful world of growth and beauty when war rages around me? Should I write about flowers when the weeds of negativity, of malice, of suspicion, of anger, of desolation, are fed by the never-faltering winds of my pessimism, carried on the backs of minute ants, too small to comprehend that the salty sugar pieces that they carry will create a sculpture of paranoia, of nervous frustration, in some abandoned corner of my mind. Should I be writing about flowers, when the anxious caterpillars of my obsessions burrow into my hands, eating them from the inside out, leaving behind beautiful, wretched, blood butterflies, bared, naked for all to see, to marvel, to mock, my insanity, a kaleidoscope of my helpless, vulnerable, aggressive, disappointing scars. Should I really be writing about flowers? Thank you. Wow. That is achingly beautiful. It's it's a bit heavy, I'll admit. It is. And, and and there's a lot of insect imagery, actually. Wow. The caterpillars, ants. <laughs> so. Well, Shiksha, this has been incredible. And thank you so much for your time, for your wisdom, and for your your less-than-ideal poems. <laughs> yes, yes. And, um, and your truly wonderful poems as well. Yeah. Washed Away, a collection of fragments is available on Amazon. Again, it is, it is raw. It is powerful. Um, but it is a, a great read. This has been My Bad Poetry. Now go write some of your own bad poetry. 
Thank you. Awesome. Perfect. Yeah. This was wonderful. This was great. I'm just going to stop the recording here. Rhyme free does man. Rhyme.